thanks for coming, kids. Hey, Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A cinema podcast of commentary, questions, answers, dreams, fears, joy rides, hell rides, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, the official podcast of back-row.com, which is where you can find the website. My name is Dan Gorman, and I am here with... Carlo. Yes. What's up? And if you'd like to get in touch with Back Row, you can do so at backrowcineblog at gmail.com, and backrowcineblog is also where you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. If you have never listened to the show... Notes from the Back Row. It's a magazine-styled podcast where every other week you will get a different type of episode. Sometimes it'll be like today, Carlo and I talking about Canadian horror films on Hoser Horror, or you might get a roundtable discussion um, of a film uh, genre or or actor. We've done uh, Jeff Goldblum. We did Women in Film for one episode. Tons of different types of stuff. Um, in the feed, so go to backdashrow.com and smash that subscribe button. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, so yes, Hoser Horror. This is where Carlo and I get to watch two or more, maybe in the future, Canadian horror films. Usually, some kind of a double feature, whether it's by genre or um, you know director or just any old pairing. And we are not going chronological. We're just going by whatever we want to check out. Sometimes it'll be one of the more notable. Sometimes it'll be a little bit more obscure. Um, and, yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of Canadian horror movies, so that makes this project kind of manageable, too, which which is kind of important. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's about, like... Uh, taking like mostly 80s and 90s like the exploitation movies of that era it's like a, a hundred ish you made a list on letterbox but i don't really remember how many exactly but it's about uh, that amount yeah totally and for more information about canadian exploitation film um please go to canucksploitation.com that is c-a-n-u-x-p-l-o-i-t-a-t-i-o-n.com uh, a guy named Paul runs that website. It's it was very formative in my understanding of Canadian exploitation cinema, and you will probably hear bits of information that have likely been sourced from their reviews and things as we talk about these things. Um, so yeah, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that that site exists because it's great. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So today we are revisiting a director that we have already done one film by. We did a film a couple episodes ago called Death Weekend. It's one of my favorite Canadian films, genre or not. And now we will be returning to talk about William Frouet in our episode titled A Frouet Duet. 
<laughs> and if you pronounce freeway that way, it does not rhyme with doing No, but if you look at it in text. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good enough. Fruit, do it. <laughs> Let's do it, do it with Let's the fruit, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, William Fruet, he is a Canadian film director. He's also written plays, written screen uh, screenplays as well. Um, I mentioned Death Weekend from 1972. He also made a film called Killer Party, which we're pretty big fans of. Yep, yeah, totally. Um, Death Weekend and Killer Party are both pretty great for different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he started his career um, in the Canadian Theatre School. Um, he also ended up going down to the States to go to UCLA, um, where, as Canuxploitation.com wonders, that that might be where he felt, that might be where he met Canadian Don Shabib. Um, and so he returned to Canada, did a bunch of uh, kind of industry films, and wrote the script for, as I mentioned in our Death Weekend episode, Going Down the Road. Um did a movie called Wedding in White. These were kind of more um, dramatic things and then took a turn for exploitation with Death Weekend, worked with Ivan Reitman, um, who did Cannibal Girls. And so Ivan Reitman was kind of a genre guy in his early days. And so he kind of ended up doing a bunch of exploitation movies and and ended up doing like Goosebumps episodes and stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> totally. Like a bunch of them. And he also worked on the Friday the 13th TV series, which was a Canadian-American co-production. Yeah. So he has his hands in a lot of stuff in Canadian exploitation. Yeah, I was just thinking, like mentioning the, the Reitman stuff. It's kind of funny, like Reitman kind of got free away into exploitation cinema, but then Reitman moved on yeah. and kind of, kind of left him there <laughs> to, to like, well, I don't want to be like harsh yeah. and say and rot, but uh, yeah, <laughs> to some to some degree, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a uh, friend of the show, Justin DeClue, mentioned to me on on uh, Letterboxd for my review, I think, of Spasms. He was like, or no, of uh, Blue Monkey. He kind of said, like, it, it always seemed a little sad to him because stuff like Blue Monkey maybe wasn't as close to William Fruway's heart as something like Wedding in White or Death Weekend. And it kind of seemed like after blue monkey he just ended up yeah doing lots of television goosebumps and stuff so maybe like yeah maybe there's a a sort of i've become expected to do this kind of movie to his uh career i don't know yeah maybe got a little harder to be taken seriously at one point like even though that weekend isn't all that trashy or anything but like the reception it got it, it, it must have had something to do with that as well you know like kind of branded as this guy who's just making trash now even though it wasn't really <laughs> yeah you know? totally um and although i would say that through throughout his career before he ended up in television even though some of his films are more successful than others um i would say a lot of them have some kind of nugget of you know um maybe not maybe not socially or politically like minded but like so we're, we're talking today about spasms and blue monkey and i would say both of those movies have a little thing in the center of them of like you know kind of being like ecologically minded or like they're trying to kind of get at something and maybe it's not as successful as something like death weekend which is very mm. like you know 
uh, uh, really gets at what it's trying to say. But I would say in both of these movies, there's something in there that it's like almost a Larry Cohen-esque, like that's hanging true. its genre on something, whether or not that's successful. <laughs> like mm, Exactly. And it, it wasn't always successful with Larry Cohen either. I mean... <laughs> they're pretty cheaply made movies but they're fun and there's kind of like a message but it doesn't really make or break them necessarily it's just like a fun little extra thing added to them and yeah it's definitely a similar vibe with the with his movies yeah. was was your first william Fruet movie um killer party killer party okay. yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah because i've always found that there's like an interesting um the reception to his movies outside of Canada where people maybe know a little bit more about Death Weekend. After I had seen Death Weekend, I would see people like reviewing spasms or like Blue Monkey and being like, oh, yeah. these are garbage or like reviewing even <laughs> even Killer Party when I was growing up. It was known as like this VHS with a dope cover, but like the movie sucks or whatever. And so I always found it interesting because to me it was always like, oh no, it's this like legendary guy who made such an amazing movie. And then he made these other movies which are not as good but like you know not like the worst <laughs> yeah no no not the worst at all but uh just not as successful at <laughs> at, at being a movie <laughs> you know yeah, i think killer party is a very fun movie but it is also very flawed but i just i just found it very charming and goofy in the right way for me absolutely uh, it has like a mostly all like female well, not an entire cast, but like the three main characters are all girls of the sorority and everything. And the movie just changes tone a lot. And, and even like what it's trying to do, like at first you think it's this kind of movie, but then it becomes that kind of movie. And then it ends and it's like a whole bunch of what the fuck just happened. Yeah. Uh, like it, it keeps you from getting lazy as a viewer, I feel like, because it's constantly changing things up. And that's exciting to me, just that in itself is exciting to me even if the movie isn't traditionally good i'd say absolutely yeah i agree because when i would always hear about killer party it was always oh it like doesn't know what it wants to be and like it you know it halfway through the movie or at the end of the movie it turns into a totally mm -hmm. different kind of movie and yeah. then when i watched it i was like yeah that rules <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's a good thing <laughs> well to me you know and and to you as well so that's why we're friends. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's five other movies uh, from Freeway that we've we've not talked about uh, outside of the two that we'll talk about today. So in the future, maybe we'll have some more Freeway duets. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. But today we're talking about two thematically uh, similar in terms of genre. They're kind of monster movies or uh, animal attack movies in some regards. Spasms from 1983 and blue monkey from 1986 definitely both monster movies i'd say because the snake in spasms isn't exactly like uh it's like what kind of snake is it even it's just a big snake a that snake. Ha has like telepathic powers i think <laughs> or, or or is it oliver reed who has a telepathic power so why are they linked it doesn't really get explained like yeah. that, i don't think but yeah <laughs> yeah so and, and, so yeah, let's get into Spasms, aka sure, sure. Let's do it. Death Bite, 1983, starring Peter Fonda, Oliver Reed, um, Al Waxman, and many more. The tagline for Spasms is "You scream, you expand, you explode." 
Tell us what you see, Jason. I see him. He's changing. Oh, he's blue. He's blue. He's bloating. He's, he's, he's bursting. Bursting apart. An experiment in telepathy leads scientists to a primitive Pacific island where a new source of evil is discovered, captured, and transported to the civilized world. Hey, what are you doing? I know what I'm doing. Now the search begins. The evil stalks. You scream. You explode. Spasms. The terror is out of control. And the synopsis is that a giant serpent is captured on a remote island and shipped to an American college for experimentation. Uh, this is based on a book, Death Death Bite, which is a good name. Yeah. <laughs> Could have called it that. I don't know why they didn't call it that. Like, spasms, is, it's kind of a... First off, I should say I didn't like read anything about this movie yeah. beforehand. I I barely even heard about it. Like I probably seen it show up uh, browsing William Furay's like uh, page on Letterboxd, but I didn't remember what it was about. So <laughs> when the movie started and then suddenly it's about like a big snake, I'm like, oh okay, weird. I didn't <laughs> expect it to be about a snake because it's called Spasms yeah. and there's like not a snake on the cover or anything. I don't even fully understand what's on the cover but sure <laughs> yeah i think the what i can gather from this and i haven't read this anywhere but you know from the cover that we see on letterbox and if you google spasms 1983 poster i'm sure you'll find this one it's like it's got this weird white and black grid it has like a woman screaming in some kind of a weird cloud with shards in it and it says you scream you expand you explode i have a feeling yeah. that they're going for a scanners thing yeah yeah i was thinking about that as well because the title has something scannersy about yeah. it as well you know like this spasms you think more about like body horror shit like getting like extreme spasms and then ultimately exploding which does not happen in the movie no. by the way so almost <laughs> the happens does not the poster though. and the title are kind of like a total lie yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that was kind of a thing in the 80s because there's that movie Screamers where it's like it, it kind of has like an inside out looking man on the cover and the tagline was they're men turned inside out and worse, they're still alive. And that ha that that cover has nothing to do with the movie. It was just like they thought they could maybe, you know, the movie's about like fish men or something. <laughs> and yeah, so I feel like maybe spasms, you're going to explode. They're trying to kind of piggyback on scanners unsuccessfully unfortunately yeah yeah no really though um there's some promising stuff that happens yeah. throughout the movie like there's a guy who's like you feel like he's about to explode yeah. or like or like limbs like really getting swole as fuck you know yeah it's like he's about <laughs> then, to explode but then he doesn't yeah but they just hold back and i read that there were some problems with like uh, special effects and stuff in this movie that that like kept a lot of scenes uh, from like the final product you know they had to cut stuff because shit just wasn't working out and money issues and whatever so that must have something to do with it like they, they maybe planned some actual like uh, humans exploding but it just <laughs> it just wasn't happening yeah so the production ran out of money is what i read and they had there's a whole scene at the end of the movie 
um, where Oliver Reed has to fight the giant snake, and apparently they had to insert a bunch of cut, like a cut, bunch of padded flashback scenes to earlier in the movie. And yeah, they, like they go over basically every kill that's happened uh, with like snake vision, you know? Uh, Oliver Reed just, yeah. Yeah, and so speaking of Oliver Reed, um, this movie was shot in 1981, but they didn't release it till 83, I guess, because of the money issues and stuff. Um, and so in that time, uh, Oliver Reed did another killer snake movie called Venom in 1981. So I, I mm. like he had a year of snakes, I feel like. In <laughs> the year of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a weird coincidence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> by the 80s, Oliver Reed was already kind of slumming it up. So it's I'm not surprised to see him in this level of movies because he would do worse even uh, even later. Uh, yeah, that, that's a weird coincidence as well. I haven't seen Venom. Have you seen Venom? I have not. Oh, okay. Is, isn't that an Italian movie even? Maybe. Or? It's based on a book as well. It says it's a British horror film. Oh, yeah, yeah. For some reason I thought it was Italian. Maybe yeah, I'm thinking Klaus of Ginsky. that. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about that movie that's just like a bunch of S's. Oh, or yeah exactly exactly no you missed one s oh sorry uh, yeah oh that's that isn't it that that one isn't italian either so yeah i have no idea i have no idea what i'm yeah. talking about i'm sure there's like an italian horror movie that's about snakes at but, some point yeah um yeah yeah carry on. i would say um another thing about about spasms is even though they kind of try to piggyback on scanners from the art and the name it it mm. it, it has that jaws thing you see jaws um mentioned a lot in reviews about this because it does the whole pov from the POV, snake yeah um mm. you don't see the snake a lot until right at the end of the movie and it's very like yeah it, it almost fits into that post jaws animals attack horror movie thing yeah yeah absolutely but it's like a monster movie but it's also like a little bit like with the telepathic angle yeah uh like this telepathically connected to the killer movie you know like <laughs> like uh what is it a uh, brain scan yeah. and um hideaway yeah yeah exactly yeah. There's, there's some others i feel about it, but yeah that kind of like that's like a really niche subgenre though there's like only maybe five movies like that i feel <laughs> like but it just reminded me of those as well yeah uh i don't know if it, if it was the first of those probably not there must have been like no i doubt it something more original yeah. than this <laughs> yeah and the plot is very uh convoluted so the movie kind of starts on the island where the snake is being you know uh, uh, is attacking people and stuff and they're they're going to get it to america um so it has that kind of like you know there's a lot of movies that start like on an island somewhere and we're going to ship something back to the states and so it has that kind of thing to it but i found the plot very convoluted and very uh not hard to follow but it was just it has that kind of like why is this happening yeah exactly for a yeah while. yeah exactly it doesn't feel like the most structurally sound movie which is fine you know exploitation cinema whatever it doesn't have to flow in the best way as long as there's like enough attractions happening which uh it's also debatable with this yeah, movie it, it's I feel like backloaded yeah yeah exactly it doesn't get a little bit more interesting as it goes along or like a little bit more fun to watch at least for me um there was one like of all the uh, set pieces or whatever i'd say in this movie there was one that was pretty effective uh i think there's like girls in a dorm 
they're being being attacked by by the snake and one of them's taking a shower because of course it's an exploitation uh, movie and one of the girls like really gets it from the snake and so like pov shots and but she gets like bit a bunch and then get gets thrown across a hallway like into the shower where the other girl is showering that stuff that scene felt pretty intense i was like i wish there was more of that like not you know like the nudity necessarily but just like the intensity of that scene felt pretty raw but outside of that one mm, I, really. I think there, there's another pretty cool scene in the medical lab where people are getting kind of uh, tossed about um, yeah I would definitely say that that scene in the washroom and in that house is, is really awesome and the way that it ends with a woman getting like catapulted through this door and she hits the glass on the shower and you see the kind of blood and the glass and the woman inside is freaking out that, that scene is like you're right like you go from this movie that you're not really attached to and kind of like you know not super interested in and kind of coming in and out of and it kind of grabs you for a minute and you're like oh shit that's crazy yeah it kind of like wakes you up for a second and then you've got like uh how do you call it? like a second boost of energy yeah. to, fe- to finish the movie basically yeah, it gets you through a little bit <laughs> yeah it's like a like a coffee just to <laughs> yeah yeah the and right the scene where the guy get, there's a the first time a guy gets bit is when you get to see some cool bladder effects and he's like almost mm, his true. skin starts to open up and stuff and that scene's kind of cool i did start to get more i i it's interesting this will juxtapose a little bit with when we talk about um blue monkey but i do, like i said earlier i did find as this movie goes on you know in the last like half hour a bunch of stuff starts happening that i started to get super into um, I really thought it was funny when the snake gets on the loose and <laughs> I wrote this as my review on letterbox, but there's like a woman running through a park and she's listening to her radio and on the radio, uh, this DJ goes, here's a big bad news bulletin. Seems as if some kind of big snakes loose. Who better stay awake or stay away. And then he like <laughs> throws to a song and I, <laughs> and I was laughing so hard. Cause it's like, it's so unhelpful. Like where's the snake? He's murdering people. Where should I go? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's also like, it doesn't feel like a very urgent message. He's like, who are we? Well, here's some music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was, uh, I thought that was so funny. And that kind of leads into a scene of like people playing, uh, frisbee in the park and they and I <laughs> this woman throws a frisbee or something and it goes into the woods and she goes I'm not gonna go oh, in there yeah. and the boyfriend goes you gotta and then there's a spooky scene where she might get bit by a snake but then he jumps out at her and he's like hey, I bet you thought I was a giant snake eh yeah 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 I, I do remember that scene. <laughs> that made me laugh pretty good too yeah that was pretty funny <laughs> there's like it there it gets to it kind of starts slow and it works itself up to a a fun kind of tone in the last half hour but it's almost a little bit too little too late yeah yeah exactly it's it's all right uh like mileage may vary well well that's always the case yeah it's just uh, what what kind of made me chuckle was how much this movie kind of reminded me of uh, hard ticket to hawaii yeah (laughs) because i just like recently rewatched that i'm like (laughs) oh okay so like a giant snake in a crate and he gets loose but the only difference is 
Oliver Reed is controlling the snake. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 well, I guess he's not controlling it, but, you know. No, and they, like, hook him up to, like, a bunch of electronics to try and, like, figure out what's happening at one point. But mm. you never really understand, uh, unless I just wasn't paying close enough attention, like, why that's happening outside of. Yeah, there's, same. <laughs> there's, like, a backstory about how his brother was, like, murdered or something. Yeah, yeah. Potentially by uh, the snake. I guess. Yeah. I guess his brother was like involved with the people on the yeah. island where the snake was originally. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've literally seen this movie uh, this morning or like, <laughs> uh, but it's it's already pretty yeah. hazy. <laughs> yeah. I watched it last night and it's pretty hazy too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, you know, the, the final showdown is okay. Um, Oliver Reed kind of gets taken out and i thought that was maybe the end but then peter fonda shows up again and, oh, and takes yeah. him out with a machine oh. gun which was like kind of cool yeah peter fonda in it <laughs> yeah i just didn't really like him in this movie uh it's been a while since i've seen a movie with peter fonda in it but just the way he, he's got like a couple of lines in this movie that really bugged me <laughs> like when he's like romancing um the girl who at first she's with oliver reed's character but i forget what their relationship i think they're like cousins or something she says like uh she uses the word crap in a conversation when Peter Fallon is like trying to romance her they're like at his place like sitting on a rug in front of a fireplace <laughs> like real cheesy stuff and he says like you shouldn't say crap it's not ladylike <laughs> I'm like oh my god and then, and then like directly after that the phone rings and he gets like pissed that the phone rings he's like uh, she says like aren't you gonna pick that up and he's like that's like an invasion of privacy man <laughs> I'm like dude it's your fucking phone you got the phone what if what the fuck do you think is going to happen when you get a phone? People are going to call you. <laughs> it's an invasion of privacy that I installed, man. Yeah. And then he picks up the phone and says, speak. <laughs> like a fucking grade A douchebag. I'm like, oh my God, I hate this guy. Like that scene just cemented it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've totally forgot to even delve into his character. I don't even really know. He kind of shows up, wears sunglasses, uh, you know. Um, yeah. Isn't he like a psychologist or something even? He has a purpose in this movie, but it kind of loses its purpose yeah. pretty soon. <laughs> and then, yeah, I think he's involved with like the uh, testing of uh, Oliver Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be it. Because <laughs> the three of them kind of, yeah, take take it up. I also read this other thing that apparently there were like a bunch of like really violent scenes shot for the Far East. It said on, I think, yeah, on IMDb probably. Yeah, but it never ended up in any version that was released, which which is a bit odd. So like on, on one hand, you read that uh, a bunch of the effects just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. and But then you're reading like... Yeah, a bunch of violent scenes got shot. I'm like, which is it? Did they get shot or whatever? Yeah, it's all... Uh, th this movie has a Blu-ray release, right? And who, who released it? Do you know who released it? I think it? it's Code Red. No, I think oh. that was a DVD. Oh, like I wonder if there's like extras explaining that stuff. But usually when there are, the well, the information just ends up on IMDb or Wikipedia, yeah. but I couldn't find anything yeah, it's, about that it's stuff. Yeah, it's a code red. Um, mm, okay. And yeah, so that's the um, the version. They they had the film elements for all of it except for about like 15 or 20 minutes in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. It got kind of like 
well not like terrible quality but it, it just kind of looked like a dvd for like 15 minutes yeah um which is still fine but yeah so spasms yeah yeah exactly it's okay. yeah, yeah. It's not and the worst. as 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 for canadian identity yeah. um well, you do get to see like the CN Tower in the background, mm-hmm. like at the start, and it's mostly shot in Toronto. But uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. They they don't set it in Canada, and they don't really talk no. about where they are. No, yeah. exactly. So it's very just. It's in Canada, but we're not going to talk about it. I would have liked it more. Oh, a big snake, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, take off, snake. Just get like Doug and Bob McKenzie in there, man. <laughs> Every movie just like show up and spasms. <laughs> just like commentaries for Canadian movies. Uh, just get Rick Moranis and uh, that would be so good. What's his name? Uh, Dave Thomas. They should do commentaries of movies. I would in character. I would totally listen to that. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, Jesus! Yeah. Get like fancy Canadian Blu-ray releases. Get that happening. <laughs> Call Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from 81, which is when Spasms was filmed, released in 83, we jump forward to 1987. This is post-Killer Party. Blue Monkey. At 7 p.m., County Memorial Hospital was placed under a Class 4 quarantine alert. I've never seen any strain of bacteria with a configuration like this. It's not what's gotten into their patients that worries them. It's what's getting out. Oh my God. It's one of a kind. I gotta get closer. The entrances are completely sealed. It's really happening. Sultan Pig. No one is permitted in or out until further notice. It's Friday night. It's always like this. nail paralyzes the victim by stinging. When those eggs hatch, you're going to have a lot of hungry larvae. The blue monkey's coming! Listen, fire! The blue monkey is coming. David Jordan, what are you doing here? Let's give you a kiss. And coming. We still have a few bugs to iron out. And still coming. nineteen eighty seven. The uh movie is also known as Green Monkey. It's also known as Insect and also known as Invasion of the Body Suckers. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Invasion of the Body Suckers. Oh yeah. my god. Starring like the, the the only title of those that isn't ridiculous is Insect. Yeah. But that's such a nondescript title that it's pretty whatever it as well. So, in it. so I'd rather have like one of the stupid titles mm-hmm. like Blue Monkey, Green Monkey, Pink Monkey, whatever. <laughs> People <laughs> love to rip on the movie being called Blue Monkey because it has no monkeys, but it is a, a, a title that does make sense in the, in the context of the film. Uh, yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, a little. I mean, there's a there's a reason that it's called Blue Monkey, I guess. It doesn't really factor into the plot a lot. Yeah. It's um, just like yeah. a little thing. So this stars Steve Railsback. Um, it also has Joe Flaherty and Helen Hughes, a very young Sarah Pauly, and it also has John Vernon in a in a role. So I, I kind of described this um, 
in my mind I was thinking like this is a very quietly stacked cast because it's a lot of people that that you've seen before but they're not like the huge huge names I really liked the inclusion of Joe Flaherty and Helen Hughes uh, or no sorry Joe Flaherty and Robin Duke um, mm. of SCTV they kind of have these fun little characters um, but yeah it's yeah like, they're, a pr- they're they're pretty fun in this movie yeah well, it's, uh, so it's a one well-rounded of their little cast. highlights yeah true Hmm. Um, and the the tagline is they breed, they hatch, they kill. Maybe it's just a phase they're going through. <laughs> is that really the tagline? Yeah, waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just added that at the end. Like, oh, okay. That's, no. That's <laughs> and uh, the uh, the synopsis is really long, so I won't read the whole thing. But it's about uh, a cup, a man who is working in a greenhouse gets some kind of a bite after touching an exotic plant that has been imported from somewhere, uh, much like spasms. And then he falls ill, goes to an emergency room where all these people are there for different reasons, and um, it becomes kind of a quarantine-style situation where a big kind of thing comes out of him, and other people are starting to feel weird, and you know we've got to quarantine the whole uh, the whole hospital. Hospital, and, yeah. yeah. Turns yeah. into a monster attack kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, there were moments when it kind of reminded me of Alien, like the original Alien, because it's like a quarantine situation, and it's kind of like a like a black insect like thing that like it's it's insect like but it's not really like you can't really tell what it is but also because like this movie doesn't exist on on blu-ray or, yeah. or like uh, i'm sure there's like a dvd at least but yeah but the quality isn't great it's a pretty dark movie it's always kind of hard to tell what exactly that thing is um so it's kind of like alien in a hospital and again, I'm like, that's such a Canadian thing to do, <laughs> to make like a, uh, an alien movie in the most like uh, clinical environment there is, just set in a hospital, like, you know, uh, visiting hours. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's like a Cronenberg movie that's oh, yeah, a bunch of taking place, have. that kind of like vibe, at least like every every location in a Cronenberg movie feels like you're in a hospital almost. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It, so this movie starts and it just kind of goes that that man getting bit like happens right away he falls down immediately and gets taken to the hospital steve rails back character his character is there because his partner has been shot um joe flaherty and robin duke are there because they're um gonna have a baby and so i was really into this movie for a good like 30 to 45 minutes because i felt like it had this cool sort of quarantine horror vibe like if you watch like um I know you like Warning Sign. Um, yeah, that's a good like movie. It has that that's kind really of like movie. everybody's here and anyone could get infected and mm. and we're all kind of stuck here for other reasons. And I really like that vibe. And it also has um, the kind of like uh, 60s or 50s uh, science fiction kind of feel to it. They're, they're obviously riffing on that kind of like cheesy sci-fi from a from a vintage era vibe but with like modern production and a little bit of humor so i was like really into this for like a good 45 minutes um there it kind of like works its way up and there's a scene where like two um two workers like a nurse and another guy are like um oh we should like make out here and it, they, oh no the monster <laughs> ah it's very like cheesy vintage oh, sci-fi oh, yeah. and yeah so yeah it's like uh it's like um, 
Joe Dante's mat- matinee. Yeah. You've got like the ho- the whole Mant thing. Yeah. It's 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 a little like that. Yeah. It's like totally. if Mant was like an '80s movie about an insect mm. kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah, it's exactly. fun, and and I was super into it, but it 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 really kind of. I don't know. It was interesting because in spasms, I felt like it was a weird movie that ultimately I kind of came on board for finally at the end. And this is a movie that like I was super on board for. But then once things started happening more and more and the monster showed up more and more, I got less interested, which is usually not the case. Yeah, like more things start happening, but also less things start happening. Like it just kind of loses momentum as things start happening which is really really weird and uh comparing it with spasm it's it's just always better for a movie to be backloaded and frontloaded so again like i agree that blue monkey starts off fun but then at, at a certain point it just kind of uh stops being interesting it, it it there's just not a lot of surprises in the in the back end of the movie really yeah and it also like i say it doesn't really help that the quality of, of the movie that's out there right now isn't the best so like a, i mean we've talked about this before if there's like a proper hd or blu-ray uh version of this movie out there that might help yeah with with the kind of feeling you're left with at the end after seeing the movie yeah because you can tell that there's been a lot of effort and and some money put into the creature there's been you know some effort and money put behind making this movie look a certain way like it's well shot and it's it's i i think it is conceivably well lit you know we can't really tell but the movie has a real look to it it the movie kind of shifts into this blue lighting in the second half and it's very shadowy and i feel like with the right contrast and the right crispness, maybe that could be something that would work better on an HD or a Blu-ray, you know, re-release. And so I would definitely like to revisit this movie, but yeah, it, it just like these interesting characters kind of like they, they introduce the Robin Duke and Joe Flaherty and they're very funny. And he's like trying to time her (laughs) uh, pregnancy down to like the minute and she's like roll her eyes at him kind of character and and so that was like fun and then there's all these kids running around one of which is a very young sarah Polly, and one of them has a nightmare about a blue monkey that he thinks is that he thinks he's the monster or whatever so that's why they call it blue monkey and and they end up helping with like getting into some underground tunnels and stuff but it just kind of feels like they never there's a lot of these characters that show up at the beginning and show promise but then they just kind of bump around for the rest of the movie they don't like ever yeah they they kind of just end up not having a lot of purpose like a lot of them like you say just kind of waste of potential uh in a lot of ways uh it's funny though about the blue monkey that's just like such a throwaway line okay the kid has like a nightmare and then um when they're like off exploring like no one's even looking for these kids but they're like everything's gone to shit and uh, ever, like it's panic at the hospital the kids are just like exploring wherever and what, one of them says like i bet we're gonna find a big blue monkey and at that point i was like oh okay so this is why this movie's called <laughs> blue monkey i guess yeah and 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 then I read, um, again, probably IMDb, that the original title was going to be Green Monkey. And, like, the, the monster's not really green, is he? He's kind of... So I don't really... No, it's just blackish, yeah. I think. Uh, it's, 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 it looks a little, like, ant-like or, mm-hmm. like... You know, it definitely looks like an insect, so I get 
where the name insect comes from. Yeah. What was the other name? Invasion of the Body Suckers? Yeah. Which is like a uh, half-hearted attempt at just doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like uh, basically what Spasms did. So, yeah. like, this movie isn't about Spasms. Uh, yeah. Should have called it, like, Insectoid or, like, yeah. <laughs> or Creepazoid. Yeah. Cre- or, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> that's a David Dakota film, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what, what, what's the. There's a Fred, Fred Olin Ray movie as well. That's all. That's basically like an alien ripoff, but it's just Fred Olin Ray's kit. Yeah. In, in an alien suit running around. <laughs> Biohazard. Just, just, yeah, Biohazard, yeah, exactly. That's a good name. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I was really rooting for Blue Monkey because. For the first chunk of the movie, I just was thinking, like, this is one of his last, like, attempts at, you know, mainstream cinema. He did a bunch of goosebumps after this, which probably, like, is a good fit for him um, hmm. and maybe, you know, made him some money. But it does feel like I was kind of rooting for the movie because it had, it's like, a fun tone and it and I was just like, hey, man, like, Fruette can still do it. Why did this movie not, you know, succeed? But then, but then hmm. it kind of, you know, stumbles around a bit and so ultimately i was not super uh over the moon about it in the end no exactly and it's it's too bad because my first two uh two frap movies uh that weekend and killer party were both like hits and and it's they're like far enough apart that i was kind of confident in watching some new movies like uh 76 and killer parties i think 86 and um i think blue, blue monkeys from 87 right uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not too long after Killer Party, so I, I don't know why Killer Party, well, uh, I want to say works, but it probably mostly just worked for me and for you, but... <laughs> yeah, well, I just mm. think that movie, the elements that are bumping up against each other are so disparate, it becomes like a thrill to see them kind of like change gears, whereas blue monkey is very kind of a similar tone throughout so it's easier to get tired of it i guess Mm -hmm. i think both movies have their moments they have a both movies have a few effects scenes that are fun it's cool when in blue monkey the the like this weird bacteria worm thing comes out of the 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 old man's mouth and they slice it open and stuff that like oh it's yeah neat, yeah first like stuff. when when he like pukes out this white et yeah. poop <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, and, that was pretty and gross, then the yeah. monster could, like again i'd like to see it in hd the monster seems like it's kind of a cool praying mantis insect kind of thing but you can't really yeah, tell exactly seems like yeah <laughs> yeah so mm-hmm. like I feel like both movies are are worth a watch for people that like these kinds of things as we say all the time but yeah they're definitely mm-hmm. not essential and and neither of them no. are particularly uh over the top Canadian and they don't really talk like I mean Blue Monkey has that kind of vibe like you said the clinical kind of hospital thing Yeah but. and the and the cast as well like uh having joe flaherty there yeah. and, and and the other people and, and and there was another actor don lake who's a canadian yeah. as well who's in there uh plays a, a solid part yeah um but yeah other than that like you don't ever really leave the hospital location so it becomes hard to yeah. like slap an identity on that you know totally other than the fact that hospitals are clinical places and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so um I don't think we can do Search and Destroy on Hoser Horror because it's not a horror movie. Um, but he still has mm. Funeral Home, a.k.a. Cries in the Night from 1980. Um, and Trapped from 1982 is, I think, enough. It has shares enough like similarities with the backwoods kind of 
thing that we yeah. could maybe swing those two movies uh, on yeah, a future episode. Yeah, I mean, if we did Bullies, I'm sure we can do Trapped as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And what about Wedding in White? That's a drama, right? Yeah, I think that's a bit more mm. of a drama. That might be a stretch we, as well. We could talk yeah. about Search and Destroy and Wedding in White on just a normal notes from the back row episode. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I mean, no one's policing us here. <laughs> we just don't call it Hoser Horror. Yeah, so I think both of us came down pretty similar on these movies. Pretty like... Mm extended reading you know further insights if you want to get into his career but yeah not not on the top of the list yeah i mean i don't regret regret watching these movies because you know it's 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 still an interesting project that we started here so uh, i I wanted to see him regardless uh will i go back to them i might go back to blue monkey if there's like an hd or a blu-ray uh, release spasms i probably won't because i've had that experience and i know what <laughs> what that movie has to offer yeah uh so not essential but yeah sure if you like william Frey movies and you need to in, ingest more <laughs> horror movies that you haven't yeah. seen yet sure if we go for it if we want to up the Frey content on hoser horror maybe we'll do a, a an october episode where we talk about some of his goosebumps episodes oh yeah, <laughs> that could yeah be fun. sure sure that might be fun yeah <laughs> yeah um but otherwise that's our episode on Frey's duet of insect and uh animal horror movies blue monkey and spasms uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so by emailing backrowcineblog at gmail.com. Backrowcineblog on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram is where you can find us. And you can also go to back-row.com slash podcast. Um, there's a brand new landing page there that Jenna put together for the show, Notes from the Back Row. Um, so you'll get, you can see where all the subscription links are. You can view all the latest episodes. So bookmark it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at YCKMD underscore. Same on Letterboxd. And where can people find you, Carlo? Carlo goes boom. Uh, same places, yeah. Letterboxd, Twitter. Yes. That's the stuff. All right. Well, another uh, episode of Hoser Horror closed. And we'll uh, come back again with another one in the future or maybe some more stuff from us. And yeah, keep the feed in your podcatcher and we'll see you another week. Bye. Bye.